this, is, this will wrap up our series, and we've been in a series that we've been calling Seasons, and we've been talking about these different phases of life that we all go through. In the first week, we talked about a season of waiting. When you find yourself in a season of waiting, just looking and, and asking God, like, God, I, I'm waiting for some answers. I feel like, you know, I've been waiting in this season, and I don't have clarity. I don't know what to do. And then last week, we talked about seasons of change, when maybe everything in your life kind of goes into this disarray, where everything that was normal, everything that you thought was good and, good and great, it begins to change. Um, this morning, I want to talk about seasons of pain. Because um, the truth is, pain is something that we all deal with. Um, we all struggle with emotional pain, we all struggle with physical pain, spiritual pain, uh, whatever it may be. Um, I've often heard it said, uh, to experience pain, all you have to do is just live long enough. <laughs> but if you are a human, it is something that we go through every single day. And what do I mean by that? I mean, every single day people are trying in a new relationship, and maybe they get their heart broken, or maybe, maybe you've been in a divorce, or maybe you've been lied to, or maybe you've been cheated on, or maybe... Um, there's been things, maybe you had expectations that were never followed through. Whatever it may be, um, we all walk through seasons of pain. And the truth is, when we walk through seasons of pain, there's two things as human beings that, that are, are kind of like our natural instinct. Two responses that we go through. We can either embrace the, se- the season of pain and we can learn from it. Or what most of us do, we numb it. Because we don't want to feel it. Because um, let's just be honest, have you ever put your hand over a hot stove and it starts to, to burn and, and you pull your hand away real quick because you know if you leave it there long enough it's going to burn your skin? Well, oftentimes when we deal with emotional pain, um, we feel it coming on, we feel that heartbreak, we feel that heartache, we feel that kind of emptiness, that longing in our soul where we're looking and we're searching. And rather than running towards it, rather than allowing ourselves to feel it, like feel that pain, oftentimes we kind of suppress it. Because let's just be honest, we, we don't like to hurt. I mean, how many, just show of hands, how many of you like just love getting your heart broken? <laughs> Anybody like, you're like, sign me up, you know? Nobody, nobody loves to get their heart broken. Nobody loves to go through difficult times. Nobody loves to go through seasons of pain. But today I want to encourage you in something. The, oftentimes in pain, the best thing that we can do rather than numb it Rather than ignore it, rather than suppress it, I would actually argue that the Bible actually teaches us to embrace it. The Bible actually teaches us to embrace it because oftentimes, I'm not saying that God causes our pain, but he does use it. He does use it to shape us. He does use it to, um, so we, that we can actually find a purpose in it. And in 2 Corinthians, I want to read a passage in chapter 1. And it kicks off in verse 8, but let me give you a little backstory. Paul and some of Paul's disciples, some of the, the guys that he's been kind of traveling with, they've been traveling all over Asia. And all over Asia, they have been like chased down by these guys who want to kill them. So every single night, they're sleeping in some new hotel or somebody else's house, and they're always having to look over their shoulder. They're, they're not getting good night's rest because they don't know if somebody's going to kick down their door and get ready to arrest them, get ready to accuse them, get ready to kill them. They're always on edge. And there's even a few moments that you see like in the book of Acts when they're being chased down where they, the, the people actually catch them and they beat them, they whip them, um, all kinds of things. And so this is what we read. And this is Paul writing this. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, 
of the affliction or that the pain we have experienced in Asia. Now I want you to understand this. Watch what he says. He says, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying we were under so much pain that season that we found ourselves in, it hurt so bad that we felt that it would be better just to die. Or, or in other words, in our modern day culture, we could translate that as in saying like, maybe you don't want to die, but maybe you just want to go like, I just want to disappear. I talked about it last week. Sometimes we got all these things going on around us and we feel like that ostrich just wants to stick his head in the sand and go, let me just bury my head here and I'll pull it out whenever um, everything around me has settled down. (laughs) And oftentimes, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, man, we felt so much pressure. There was so many burdens on us. There was so much pain that we are enduring. We just wanted to quit. We, We just wanted to give up. You see, pain has the ability to cause us to focus on how bad we hurt that we forget what lies ahead of us. Oftentimes, pain gets us to central in and it causes tunnel vision where all we can see is the hurt. All we can see is the heartbreak. All we can see is the heartache. All we can see is what we're suffering with in that moment. Paul says he was suffering so much, he's saying, look, I, I just, God, just take me out. I want to die. So have you ever asked this question? Like, why does God allow me to go through pain? Like if God is so good and he really cares for me, which he does and he is good, then why does he allow me to go through seasons of pain? Let me finish the verse in 2 Corinthians and it ends in 9. It says, indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But here's the catch. But watch this. But that was to make us... Rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. But that was to make us not rely on our own strength. What we felt in that moment, it says God used Paul's pain. and He said, this is a reminder that you can't do it on your own. Like on your own, you're not good enough to make it through the season that you find yourself in now. So God is allowing us to go through painful seasons so that it can remind us, I can't do this by myself. The truth is there's going to be seasons in your own life where your own faith is not strong enough to get you to the next season. It's just not going to be. And we've got to learn to lean on other people, come to the realization of like, I don't know how to get myself out of this. I need to lean on a power that is greater than myself, and his name is Jesus. See, we often find ourselves in these seasons when we're struggling with painful emotions or heartbreaks or whatever it may be. Like, we genuinely believe that we can just get ourselves through it. But the the sad part is we've been telling ourselves the same lie for like five or six years that I'll just eventually get out of it and you're still stuck in the same situation. But see, remember, Paul was saying, I'm I'm in so much pain that I want to die. But he says, the reason God is allowing me, he's not causing it, but he's saying the reason that he is allowing me to go through this pain is so that I could focus on a God who raises the dead or a God ultimately who takes all pain away. See, if we can get to that, we're really on to something. Years ago, um, 
any fire enthusiasts in here, like any pyromaniacs, like when 4th of July, New Year's Eve comes around, like you are a dangerous person to be around? And anybody? Um, I am. Um, I, I always, anybody like, you love those little black cats? I always like love to light them like secretly and then throw them at people's feet and just watch them freak out. You, you know what I mean? Anybody do that? Um, I, <laughs> pray for me. I don't know why. Um, Years ago, it was the 4th of July, and I was at this huge bonfire, and um, we had tore down this old shed, and there's this huge scrap of wood, and they've got all these, these old planks of wood, and nails, and metal, all this, there was this tin barn that we had tore down, and we're lighting this huge fire, and we're throwing off fireworks, having a good time, cutting up, and I grabbed this, this long piece of, uh, like, two-by-four, what I didn't realize is that it had all these nails sticking out of it, and I chunked it into the fire, and the nail caught my finger, and it split my hand wide open to where I could actually see the bone in my hand. And uh, I remember when I cut it open, I felt a whole ton of emotions all at one moment. Like, oh my God, what have I just done? That was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. And then the second thing that I felt is I felt the pain. My hand started throbbing, it started burning, there's blood everywhere, and the, and the worst thing you could do when you're bleeding is have your mom right there, like all your friends are like, oh dude, it's not that bad, and then you open up and your mom sees you, she's like, oh my God, and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die, you know, and so my mom sees it and she's freaking out, she's like, you, you, they're going to amputate your hand, and I'm like, oh my God, freaking out, and I remember in that moment, the only thing that I could focus on was that pulsating, throbbing ache. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you wake up in the middle of the night and you slam your toe on the end of of the bed or something. And like for the next hour, all you can think about is like that little toe that just keeps throbbing and pulsating. I remember in that moment, like all I could think about was my hand. I ended up having to go to Uh, a hand specialist, and I did three surgeries on my hand, and all this kind of stuff. There's still a spot in my finger that's numb. I can't feel it. But um, I remember for months, I went through this, like, therapy, and surgery, and stitches, all these kind of things, and for months, all I could think about was my hand. All I could think about was the pain that I experienced in my hand. And the reason that it was the only thing that I could think about is because it was the only thing that I could feel. It was like my, I could have a headache, but it didn't really matter because the only thing that was pulsating and throbbing was my hand. And for about six months, my hand wasn't the same. It wasn't normal. And a year passed, and before I knew it, I stopped talking about it. And then another year passed, and before I knew it, like my hand had returned back to normal, and it functioned like normal, and I had completely forgotten about the incident that had even happened. And here's what I want you to get to understand this morning. That oftentimes, here's what the enemy's going to do. When you go through emotional pain, when you go through physical pain, when you go through whatever kind of pain that you're going through right now, the enemy is going to try to get you to zero in, to focus on the pain, and he's going to get you to like, come to a place where that is the only thing that you can think about. You can't think about anything else. But here's what I want to get you to a place to this morning, is if we can have an eternal mindset rather than a here and now mindset of my life is so terrible right now, or I'm in so much pain right now, but if we can think beyond the place that God is actually bringing us 
in the season that he is preparing us for in the future, in the character that he is establishing in the middle of the pain. Like, I know it hurts, and sometimes it's all you can think about, but if you can get beyond that thought and come to a place where, like, God is actually preparing you for something greater. See, pain causes us to focus on the hurt that we forget what lies ahead. See, the interesting thing about the hand, my hand cutting it open is years later, like, I'd, I'd, I'd forgot about it. This is probably 10 years ago. I didn't even remember that that had even happened to me until I started preparing this message. And the story popped in my head. Like, I had completely forgot about it. And here's the good news. If you know Jesus, if you're in Christ today, whatever pain that you have, he wants to bring you to a place where you come to a place where you completely forget about your past. You completely forget about your pain, and all you can think about is what lies ahead. And what lies ahead and and what God is preparing for you. Here's the good news today. If you're in Christ, you have to hear this. If you are a believer, if you know Jesus, if you're in Christ, pain is only temporary. Pain is only temporary. It is only temporary. Because here's the truth. You're only here for a short time. God may choose to heal you on this earth. And even if he doesn't, one day you will spend eternity with him with no pain. All ailments, all physical things that you have struggled with will be gone. Listen to what Paul says. Now, let me back up just a moment. Remember, when I started off in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is saying... My life is over, God. I just, just kill me. The pain is so unbearable. I'm somewhat reminded that you want to use my pain. Now you just skip three chapters later and you hear a completely different Paul. Paul's had some time to reflect on his pain. He's had some time to reflect on how God is shaping him and, and using him in the middle of the pain. And listen to what he writes now. This is the same instance, same Paul, different perspective. Chapter 4, verse 17, he says... For this light, momentary affliction. Wait, wait, hold on. This light, momentary affliction. But like three chapters ago, he was saying, my pain was so surreal that we just wanted to die. But see, he sat with this pain long enough. He reflected on it. He began to think about it. Did God really leave me in the middle of my pain? No, he's not gone. See, that's what we think. That's what we buy into, that when we're struggling, when we go through pain, that God is absent. He's gone. But sometimes if we sit in it long enough and we begin to reflect on everything that God has brought us from and everything that God has done for us in the path, we begin to remember the goodness. We begin to remember like, oh man, I remember when I was in that place in my life. And I thought that everything was going to be hopeless. And I thought that I would never make it out of this. And God saved me. He rescued me. This is why the gospel has always been so attractive to me. It's always been so attractive to me because of the very fact that God rescued me in the middle of like my ugliest state. So so here's what he's saying now. He's gained some perspective. He says, for this light momentary affliction. Now watch this. Is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, are temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. So let's break that verse down. In the beginning he says it like this. For this light momentary affliction is what? 
It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. See, your season of pain is preparing you for something that is eternal. Your season of pain is reminding you of like, hold on, time out. I know you feel like so much hurt right now. But man, if you find yourself in Christ, I want you to remember that it's only temporary. This is not going to be forever. Paul's trying to get us to think with an eternal perspective. Now this is difficult because as human beings, we see everything in the here and now, don't we? But see, if you, if you look at the gospel and if you look at the scriptures, everything points to us trying to have this eternal mindset, this eternal perspective. Like every, every author in the scriptures is always pointing us back to, look, you're not here for a long time. Look, remember all of your ailments, all of your pain, all of your insecurities, all those things are just temporary. The truth is this life is short. This life is temporary. But the good news is this life is not your home. See, pain will tempt us to forget that we're not eternal beings. I love it how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says this, Our Father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends, but will not encourage us to mistake them for our home. What does he mean there? He says, man, along the journey, God offers safe harbor and refuge. Look, as a Christian, there's hope and there's peace. And you can stay in those ends and you check yourself into, man, you get into this place where, man, you're going, your relationship with God is going well and you feel peace and you feel joy in your soul. But the authors of the scriptures are pointing us back to say, look, don't get comfortable there. Because at the end, this, is, this place, this life, it's not your home. It's not where we're going to reside. It's not where you're going to stay. See, Lewis is reminding us that our comfort in life is not the goal. That ultimately this life is not our home. And in Christ, pain is temporary. Listen, I want you, if you remember anything I say, remember this this morning. Life is short and eternity is long. Life is short. You got what, 70, 80, 90 years here on this life? And then you have an eternity with your Savior. Don't get so caught up in the moment that you find yourself in now that you lose an eternal perspective. It's so easy to lose this eternal perspective, like that you're going to live forever in Christ. But we get so caught up in the 60, 70, 80, 100 years that we're here on this earth. James reminds us in 4.14, and I love how the message puts it. He says, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow. He says, you're nothing but a wisp, a fog, catching a brief bit of sun before disappearing. Instead, make it a habit to say, if the master wills it and we're still alive, we'll do this or that. Listen, I want you to hear me this morning. In Christ, there's more to life than this life. There's more to life than this life. If we're only here for a short moment, a brief second. And I know what some of you are thinking right now, but yeah, Pastor, you you don't understand. You don't understand the season that I find myself in. You don't understand the rejection I've felt or the insecurities that I have or the seasons where people have betrayed me and backstabbed me and and the pain that I feel. I'm bitter. I'm angry. How can you say that this life is so short when you don't know what I feel right now? Listen, we, we, we serve a God that also wants to set you free in the here and now. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that God wants you to be miserable the rest of your life. And then we'll just worship him in joy and glory when we finally get to heaven. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
I'm clearly trying to communicate today that I just want you to understand that you're not here for that long. And the decisions that you make today truly do affect your eternity. So if you find yourself in a season of pain, if you find yourself in a season of betrayal, a season where you don't understand, like where you feel like God's left you, I want you to hear what Revelations 21 says. This is huge. It's so important. This is not my words. This is the word of God. And this is why it's so important to read it. This is why it's so important to invest time in reading the scriptures. Listen, some of you ask, we, we do this series every single year. We, we, we call it, you ask for it. And we pull everybody in the church and we preach the, the four like, um, sermons that you guys want to hear the most. And the one that always finds itself in there, always, is how do I hear God's voice? Let me clear this up for you really quick. If you want to hear God's voice, just start reading his words in the Bible. It's simple. Start reading his words. So I want you to understand what I'm about to read is literally God speaking to you. Okay, so if you find yourself in a season of bitterness, of pain, of insecurity, hear this. It says, I heard a voice. A thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making his home with men and women. They're his people. He's their God. Now listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things gone. The enthroned continued. Look, I am making everything new. Write it all down. Each word dependable and accurate. That is God's promise to you. Like God's promise to you, whatever season that you're going through right now, that it will be gone. He'll wipe it, like every tear that you've ever cried will one day be gone. Every sorrow that you've felt, every betrayal that you've felt, every backstab that you've had, God makes it new. Think about it for a moment. Every horrible thing that has happened to you. Divorce, heartbreak, cheated, lied to, wrongfully accused. In Christ, pain will be no more. (laughs) In Christ, pain will be no more. But listen to me. You cannot understand what I'm talking about unless you have an eternal perspective. That eternity is long and life is short. That we're here today and we may not have tomorrow. We may not have tomorrow. I've been reminded of that multiple times. I've gotten two major accidents. I got hit on a motorcycle. Oh, it was a moped. I've tried to always play it up. You know, it sounds better. (laughs) That was a few years ago. I was coming out of McDonald's, and a lady didn't see me and hit me while I was going 45 miles an hour, slid on the road like a slip inside. I was stopped still about a, uh, almost a year ago now on the interstate on I-10. There was construction on the road and there was a guy who just, I guess, wasn't paying attention and hit me from behind at 75 miles an hour, flipped my car into the median. remember when the state trooper got there and, and the paramedics got there, they saw everybody's car and the first thing they did was come to me. I remember one of the, the cops told me, he said, son, he said, we've pulled up on so many accidents like this. And he said, I literally thought you were either dead or something like you were paralyzed or something. And I was able to walk away with just a little bruise on my head and a little, some 
few fractured vertebrae, but that was it. But I've been reminded that life is short, and I think oftentimes if you're anything like me, um, especially men, especially young men, um, we often feel like we're invincible. Nothing can touch us, nothing can break us. We, we know that all these things go on around us, and we see friends, you know, getting killed or passing away, and we, we see all these things happen, but we're just confident that it's never going to happen to us. But the truth is, life is brief. See, we do not look to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. What does that mean? See, it's easy to have the right perspective when everything is going well in our life, right? Like when when the bank account's good, marriage is good, kids are doing well. Like, it's easy to have the right perspective. It's easy to hear me today and be like, yeah, that's awesome. Have an eternal perspective. But let a few things go wrong in your life, and it's a completely different story, isn't it? It's hard when things start falling apart. It's hard when you have uncertainty in your life. But here's what we have to come to. And here's, I believe, what Paul's trying to tell us today, what Jesus is trying to tell us today. Stop looking to your circumstances for joy. Stop defining your joy based off of your circumstances and start looking to the God who rescued you even when you didn't deserve it. Stop looking to your circumstances or your seasons of pain and going, man, it's just never going to get better. It's always going to be horrible. Start looking to the God that saved you when you didn't deserve it. Think about it. Just think about it for a moment. Like God stepped in the confines of your life. I love what Romans says, while you were still sinners, he saved you. Like when you were at your worst, God didn't wait to say, okay, I'm going to wait to step in until he cleans his life up. And when he cleans his life up and when he proves himself to be worthy, then I'll grab a hold of him and then I'll save him. He goes, no, he's at his worst. I'll take him right now. I'll take him right now. One of, my, one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Hosea and Gomer. And God tells Hosea, he says, hey, listen, I'm, I want you to go and find a wife who is a prostitute. And he said, I'm going to use this story as an example of what the children of Israel are going to do over and over and over to me. He said, I want to show you a story of my grace. He said, go out into the city, find a wife who's a prostitute. So he's obedient to God. He goes and he finds a wife. He finds Gomer. They start having kids together and it seems like their life starts working. You know, it's like, okay, maybe she's left the lifestyle that she was once in. And then a few chapters later, we see that she's back out on the streets again and she's sleeping around and she's doing all these things. And her her husband is furious. And God says, go get her again. Find her. He said, pay for her and bring her back home. He goes out and his wife who's caught in this slavery and this sex trafficking, her husband comes along and he says, I'll take her. I'll, I'll even pay for her. He brings her back home, gives her a place to eat. He begins to restore her. They have some more kids And we see this countlessly going on. She goes back out and he takes her back in. She goes back out and he takes her back in. 
Listen, here is the biggest lie that the enemy will tell you. If you fall, if you, if you blow it, or if whatever, that you're, that you're out and God doesn't want you. But if you look at the story of Hosea and Gomer, he says, this is us. I don't know about you, but we're Gomer in the story. We're the ones that say, okay, God, I'm here. I'm going to plant my feet. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. But not today because I'm hurting. And I'm in pain and I, I need to go find something else. And, and God says again to his son Jesus, okay, go get him. When you're at your worst, Christ died for you. That is the message of the gospel. That when you find yourself at a place where you don't know what to do, you feel lost, God wants to be the closest to you. He wants to be the closest to you. Stop looking to your circumstances for joy. Start looking to the God who rescued you, who saved you. This is C.S. Lewis again, and he puts it this way. He says, everyone has noticed how hard it is to turn to God when everything is going well for us. He said, we have all we want is a terrible saying when all does not include God. We find God an interruption. (laughs) Here's what happens. I'll tell you why people leave Christianity, why they leave church. Because you don't need God as long as things are going well for you in your life. The truth is we don't need him. And I'll be honest with you, in American Christianity, we have come to the place where God is a genie in the sky. And as long as he's granting our wishes and we're healthy and whole and free and we feel good, God is good with me. I love Jesus. Everything is going well. If everything is going good in your life, oftentimes you'll find that you don't realize it, but you're actually the furthest from God. And God loves us so much that sometimes he allows us to go through pain because he says, hey, son, daughter, you've drifted off and I need, you to, I need to bring you back to reality. I'm going to pull you back in. But oftentimes the reason people leave church or they, the reason they leave Christianity is because when God comes in and that conviction starts to come on you and maybe you have some people that want to love you and pull you and point you in the right direction, you see it as an interruption, as an inconvenience in your life. I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want God telling me what to do. I want to ru- run my own life. And God's no longer the rescuer. He's no longer the hero in the story. He's an interruption. He's an inconvenience. But see, we've got to learn to change our perspective. God is not coming in there to condemn you, to shame you, to call you out and expose you for the wretch that you are. He's coming in to rescue you. About a year ago, um, almost two years ago now, I had a sinus surgery. And uh, I finally had decided to get it because for about six months, I mean, I just had the worst headaches almost every single day. And uh, I couldn't breathe that well. And so we did, I, I tried all kinds of like Zyrtec and allergy medications. And they wanted to put me on like taking shots. I'm like, I'm not doing all this. Let's just, how much is the surgery? What is it going to cost? Like, I'm going to figure this out. And so I remember a few years ago, I'd done some research. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the surgery. And um, so I went in and I, I did the surgery. And I remember waking up from this surgery and feeling like my head was the size of a hot air balloon. And I remember for about two weeks going, I made the worst decision of my life. Like, I cannot believe, like, I did this to myself. 
I mean, they come in and they cut out all the polyps and they suck it out and then they shoot glue up your nose that stays in there for two weeks and you can't breathe and you have these horrendous headaches. You wake up in the middle because you can't breathe through your nose, so you're breathing through your mouth and you wake up in the middle of the night choking because like, your mouth is completely dry. <laughs> I remember going like, what in the world did I do? Like, how, why did I make this decision? And then a few weeks passed, and a few months passed, and every single day, things started getting better. Until about six months down the road, without me, kind of, I realized it one day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually breathing through two, two nostrils. I'm breathing through two nostrils, and I haven't had a headache in a long time. It was like this slow progression, and now I'm so thankful for it. But here's what happens. Because we don't like to be uncomfortable in the moment, oftentimes many of us will not make decisions that have the ability to affect our eternity. So let me put it to you this way. Most of us are trading momentary comfort for eternal gain. Because here's, here's the problem. We know that God is calling us to run towards our pain to embrace it, because if we can confess it, and if we can embrace it, like God will meet us there, and God will heal us. But we know that it's going to cause some momentary discomfort. Some, some seasons of like, we're going to have to walk through some things that it's going to hurt, and it's not going to feel good. But if we can learn to embrace the pain and learn the lesson, God will prepare us for eternity. I love what C.S. Lewis again says. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but listen to this, but he shouts in our pain. And it's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, one of the most attractful things in Christianity, has there ever been just refreshing when you have a conversation with another believer and they're just brutally honest with where they're at in their life? Where they just say, look, look, man, it's, it's been difficult, it's been hard. Like, I'm, I'm going to God, and I, know he's, I know he's meeting me there. But if I'm just being honest and vulnerable, like, it's, it's just been a hard season for me. And here's what I'm walking through. Isn't that refreshing when you hear that? It's refreshing because instantaneously you can connect with that person and go, man, me too. Like, I feel where you're at. But in Christianity, oftentimes we, we buy into this lie that like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Everything is fine. We do it every Sunday morning. How are you? Amazing. <laughs> on the inside, but you're screaming on the inside. You're just going, ah, oh, I want to confess. I want to I share this with somebody. And you're carrying around this burden that is weighing you down. And the reason that many of us don't like pain is because pain makes us feel weak, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I don't like to feel weak. But the truth is, when we feel weak, we often feel defeated. And when we feel weak, we feel like the enemy has overcome us. But the truth is, if you look to the gospel, weakness is actually your opportunity for strength. Weakness is actually your opportunity for strength. This is Paul again in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Listen, weakness is your opportunity for genuine gospel, God, Jesus-like strength. This is a natural progression of life. Some of us, we find security in our strength, especially men. We, we find security in being able to be strong, to provide for our families, to be able to go out and to work. But here's the truth. God's not going to let you stay strong forever. It's just a physical, natural progression of life. How many of you gotten a little bit older and you're like, you go down and you're like, all right, you can wrestle with the kids. Maybe when you were 20 or 30, you felt good and you could wrestle and you could throw them around. And now maybe you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s and you throw a kid around. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to lay on my back for about two weeks. Or, or maybe you get out of bed and you start feeling it. <laughs> you get out of bed and you're like, my back. The older and older that you get, what happens? It's just a natural progression of life. You get weaker and weaker. I'm not talking about mentally. I'm talking about physically. Physically, your body just begins to deteriorate. And I believe this is a physical example of what God is trying to teach us. Some of the strongest people I know are the weakest physically. Because over life, they have learned to not uh, let their weakness define them. It, it has not handicapped them. If it's got them to a place to say, look, this is just all the more opportunity that I have to lean on God and for Him to be my strength, rather than my own abilities. Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, but we have this treasure and jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What is he saying there? That jars of clay is an ancient metaphor for human weakness. Like a jar of clay, if you drop it on the ground, it's going to shatter. It's going to break. It's a weak vessel, but it holds something. When he says we have this treasure in jars of clay, here's what he's meaning. I'm entrusting my gospel, my son, my good news to weak vessels like you and me. He's saying, I love you so much that I'm going to give you the greatest news on the face of the planet, even though you're fragile, even though you're weak, even though you have seasons of life where you feel like it's just shaking you. Now, why does he do that? Why does he give us this great power even when we feel like we're so weak? Watch this. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's a constant reminder that, hey, listen, you can't do it on your own. He says, when, when you accomplish great things, it's not, you're not going to look back and go, man, look how great I was. You, you're going to recognize that you were going to weak, and you're going to recognize that, man, God is the one that got me through that. It's the same idea of, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you've ever stand on the edge of like a mountain range or something. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Wyoming, and I was in the, the Teton Mountains, and I was in this valley, and I just got to stare at these mountains. And there was never a moment as I'm staring at these mountains where I'm like, man, I am so cool. <laughs> I am amazing. I was not reflecting on how good I was in the middle of that moment. It was like I was in the middle of this nature, these mountains that were so much bigger than me that it caused me to go, man, God is so good. See, here's what God wants to do. When you accomplish great things, he wants you to be able to go, man, it wasn't me. Because I felt weak. I felt like I wasn't going to make it. But God is the one that pulled me through that season. 
See, our weakness causes us to remember that our strength does not come from what we can muster up. Our strength does not come from our abilities. Ultimately, it comes from Jesus. Listen, if your strength is, is found in how strong you are physically, one day that will deteriorate. That hammer that you used to could swing and the, the, the houses that you used to could put together and all the ball that you used to could throw. And if you find your abilities in what you can do, one day that will be gone. And if you find your ability in that and that leaves you, who will you be? It's why you've got to come to a place of trusting in God. Let me close with this. This is Paul, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. He says, we are afflicted in every way. So Paul's saying, I'm looking at every season of my life, and I can see pain. I can see every piece of my life laid out, if it was laid out on a screen, and I could look at it all. He said, there's pieces all over where I can see pain. He says, we were afflicted in every way, but listen to this but not crushed. Perplexed, but we were not driven to despair. So they went through pain, but it didn't break them. They went through hard times, but it did not crush them. Why? Because their giftings and their abilities and their strengths did not come from within. It came from Jesus. And he concludes the verse by saying this. We were persecuted, but not forsaken. We were struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Let me close with this. Some of you may not like this statement, but it's true. Weakness is not a defect, it's God's plan. Weakness is not a defect, it's God's plan. It's God's plan because pain and weakness is just our opportunity to prove that God is stronger than we ever could be. And that when we walk through seasons of pain and we come out on the other side of it, we don't look to ourselves and say, man, I got myself through this horrible time. We go, okay, I have more faith and more confidence in God because he got me through the most difficult season of my life. Listen, I, I have walked through some painful things and I, can I just tell you this? I don't know how people do it without Jesus. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how people do it without Jesus. I could tell you, I mean, the only way that you can do it without Jesus is you can medicate yourself. You can numb yourself. You can try to disappear from reality. You can distance yourself from people. You can try to work it out on your own. But the truth is, that's not really living. See, God has a greater life for you than your pain, than your suffering, than your weakness. See, at the end of the day, if you could harbor it, if you could channel it, some of you are saying, man, you don't, you don't know what kind of past I've walked through. You don't know what kind of people have disappointed me or let me down. You don't understand the parents that I had. You don't understand that what people said to me. And how that's always stuck with me. I may not know everything that you've walked through. But I do know one thing. I do know a God who does. Can I, can I tell you this this morning? He loves you. He cares about you. And listen to this. He's compassionate towards you. 
Some of the things that have happened to you were not fair. They were unjust. Maybe it was something God was not pleased with. But can I tell you this? God didn't allow it to happen to you because he was angry at you. God didn't make it happen to you. And I can't tell you why everything in this world happens or why some of the most horrific things in this world happens, but I can tell you this. There is a God who loves you and cares about you no matter what season of life you find yourself in right now. And some of you have been so beat up by seasons of pain, you feel so rejected, you feel like God just can't love you. You feel like, how could I ever be enough? Here's the good news. You don't have to be. You don't have to be. It's not about your performance. Here's the truth. It's about your commitment. It's not about your performance. It's not about how well you score on the test card. It's about you saying, God, I may fall a thousand times, but I'm getting back up every single time because you are faithful. Listen, here's a story that should encourage you. In the Gospels, the Gospels conclude with Jesus dying on the cross and there's a thief right next to him. And one who says, God, I'm angry. You're letting me die. I want nothing to do with you. There's another thief on the cross who has lived a life of thievery and stealing and a life that was not honoring and not pleasing to God. And he, he utters these simple words. He says, God, today I would desire to be with you in paradise. And Jesus, right before he dies, he said, I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll see you there. Listen, there is nothing, nothing that you have done. The Bible puts it, there's no height, there's no depth, there's no angel, there's no demon that could ever separate you from the love of God. Ever. Stop believing the lie that you're not good enough. Stop believing the lie that your season of pain is separating you from God and there's no way that he could ever love you. The truth is, Psalms puts it this way, that those that are broken, those that are discouraged, says God is the closest to them. Can I tell you something? If God walked into this room right now, which I already believe he's here, but if Jesus walked into this room right now, do you know the first people that he would find? I guarantee you wouldn't be the leaders of this church. He would pick out the most broken, hurting person. He'd probably pick out the person that you would never think about. He'd pick out the one that needed him the most. The one that felt like they had been destroyed, the one that they felt like they had no hope, and God would come to you first.